Hello and welcome to the Allen and Overy podcast. Today we're going to focus on the outlook for the global M&A market and look at what's currently shaping deal making around the world. My name is Simon Beavis and joining me today is Dirk Muirs, Allen Overy partner and global co-head of Allen Overy's corporate practice. Thank you for joining us today. Let's start by looking at uh, the start of 2019. It's been a bit of a challenging start to the year. Um, deal volume and value are both down year on year. In fact, according to the data from Refinitiv, uh, the suggestion is that the number of deals is growing at its slowest rate since 2013, down about 26%. And value, though not so far down, is uh, decreasing by 8%. So there's been a lot of speculation about, is this the point when a very, very strong and record-breaking market is finally beginning to turn? And I just wonder, how do you see those figures and, and, and what's, what's the perspective you get from your own practice? I mean, obviously, we, we compare uh, what's happening in, in, in 19 with, I mean, record high um, uh, volumes and, and, and transactions and, and value of transactions. And, and I mean, we were expecting some kind of, I mean, slow down decrease at some point because uh, things can't continue to go up uh, and then... M&A is a, is a cyclical business, so it's normal that at some point we see a bit of a, of a slowdown. Um, it's definitely not uh, I mean, a crisis or uh, a big shift that we've seen in 2009 or so. It's just uh, I mean, a bit of an adjustment, I would say, to what, uh, what's happening. Uh, and, and obviously the, the, the factors that we expected to drive some of the slowdown have been there for quite a while and, and they're not new. There's a geopolitical uncertainty. I mean, Brexit in this part of the world is is obviously top of mind. But uh, uh, I mean, what's happening in, in the US, the tensions between the US and, and China, all these things have been there for quite a while. And I think, uh, I mean, they're probably impacting a bit confidence of, uh, of boardrooms uh, at this stage. And that led to not a dramatic uh, I mean, slow down or, or decrease, but uh, we're still at uh, very healthy levels if you look at a 10-year horizon, for instance. In terms of values of deals, it's still pretty remarkably high, isn't it? I mean, yeah, and typically if, if there's a, I mean, a, a real slowdown, you see a larger reduction of the value of transactions and uh, you still see quite a lot of um, I mean, mid-market, smaller transactions. The fact that there are still good number of I mean, very sizable transactions out there is that uh, I mean, it's testament for the fact that there are boards that are still making really big strategic uh, moves. If the, the uncertainty I mean, really starts to affect the confidence of boards, then typically they revert to smaller, well, no deals or smaller deals, and also less cross-border because cross-border typically comes with more risks and therefore uh, confidence, uh, I mean, reducing confidence impacts that, but we, we still see a very healthy level of I mean, large transaction and also cross-border activity. Uh, I mean, some of these geopolitical factors have been around for a long time. It's not that they're all new. Perhaps they're intensifying. I don't know. Maybe it's beginning to eat away at uh, investor confidence. But there are other factors as well. And I think, I mean, in terms of regulation, it seems to be that there's more complexity in the market around doing deals, doing antitrust and terms of national what, what's the picture there? I, mean, I, I think that that's a, I mean, some of these ge geopolitical risks or, or, or uncertainties are translating into new forms of regulation and, and complexity 
to do deals. I mean, the the U.S. is definitely, I mean, using CFIUS to, uh, I mean, put some additional hurdles to uh, transactions. In Europe, we see the same team uh, coming up and, and different countries trying to, uh, I mean, develop uh, regulations around national security and, and uh, some new systems coming into play. And that will obviously I mean, create more complexity to do deals. I mean, it's probably uh, the, 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 uh, the contracts will become even more complex and there will be more hurdles and that probably starts to impact uh, some of the, uh, uh, the activity we see. So the effect of it is what to just to extend the time it takes to get deals through or makes people more cautious about considering them in the first place? It's I mean, hopefully people consider the complexity at the start of it, okay, sure. not at, <laughs> at, at, uh, at the end. But uh, I think that, uh, I mean, some of these regulations will uh, create additional hurdles and, and uh, may make people, uh, I mean, a bit more prudent to engage in a, in a, um, in, in, in a full process. Yeah. For instance, the CFIUS thing comes with some uncertainty, but there's not yet a lot of deals that have been blocked. And there are some, but, but uh, it's not that, uh, I mean, the conclusion is that deals can no longer be done. And the same thing in, 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 in the European space, in some of these regulations add complexity, but I don't have the sense that uh, they're uh, scaring away uh, investors from, I mean, in Europe, from outside Europe to, uh, uh, to look at uh, European assets. And in fact, I think there's, there's evidence that investing in Europe is actually on the on the climb, and to, certainly from Japanese investors and to certain extent. Yeah, Chinese and, and and there there's some other things at play. Probably is that uh, the US is is playing US first, and and probably making it more complicated for some of the Asian investors to, I mean, invest in 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 the US, and then the, the natural, I mean, other mature markets uh, to make investments is. Uh, is Europe so we, we do see on in, on this side of the the world uh, uh, an increased interest from uh, from Asian investors, and that's probably right, driven by I mean the, the overall political um, uh, I mean atmosphere in the U.S. and not unless uh, hugely affected so far by the fact that we're seeing a bit of slowing growth I and mean, globally, but particularly in Europe. There's growth is slowing and that doesn't seem to be a deterrent at the moment anyway. No, but there's other factors that drive, I mean, M&A. I mean, if there is I mean, uh, a relatively I mean, small uh, organic growth, the only way to grow is to do M&A. So that drives, uh, I mean, the, the volume of, of transactions and there's, uh, I mean, obviously digitalization and some other trends uh, impact um, the uh, M&A market. Uh, my conviction is that globalization, notwithstanding what we see on the geopolitical front, is still there, and it's uh, uh, people are, uh, I mean, investing, seeking growth, cross borders, and continue to make those acquisitions. They're also looking at reshuffling a bit their their portfolio, and then I mean, do they want to? I mean, how much exposure do do they want to have to? The U.S. market compared to the the Chinese market or the Southeast Asian market, and and they're thinking about how all these changes, geopolitical changes, will impact their business and how they want to be. I mean, invested. And some people may decide that it's better to put more money in in Asia and less in the U.S. or the other way around, and that also gives rise to uh, quite some uh, I mean, M and A activity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, going back to the the data, the refinitive data, the, 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 it looks very much from the data as if almost every sector is seeing a decline in terms of certainly in volumes and, and, and values too, with the exception actually of financial services, which is slightly surprising because that's been pretty quiet for since the financial crisis. But uh, do you see, from your own practice, do you see areas of the market where they're, they're proving either markets or sectors which are proving very particularly resilient and, um, and active? I'm, I'm not sure it's always sectors. I mean, there, there's certain sectors where there's still consolidation going on and, and to pick an example for instance in the insurance sector in europe uh, we still see consolidation uh, within uh, jurisdictions and also cross-border for instance and in germany the insurance sector is not very consolidated yet so we we see in consolidation there um so that that's something that that drives uh, i mean transactions and makes certain things more resilient uh, very often that's driven by uh, I mean, a number of parameters, uh, I mean, technology, for instance, some of the insurance companies are basically very sophisticated IT platforms and they need size and therefore that drives uh, consolidation and, and markets where, I mean, that's happening, uh, I mean, are more resilient because mm -hmm. I mean, if there's little growth that puts even more pressure on costs, uh, etc. So there's actually an incentive to go faster rather than slower in, in, in terms of in consolidation and, and, uh, and, and M&A. And then there's other things that, that drive M&A that are not sp sector specific, but everything we see around digitalization um, is something that impacts now everything. And then you see car manufacturers or, or I mean, FIC uh, uh, financial institutions. I mean, they all change because of digitalization. And, and so that's a, a factor that impacts and drives uh, change and therefore M&A. Almost as like an alternative to R&D. You go and buy the technology or... It, yeah, I mean, you either buy it or... You develop it, but I mean, uh, we very often see that buying is uh, the faster track to uh, the solution than uh, developing it yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In your view, what is the issue that deal makers should be most thinking about at the moment, in the months and uh, and the year ahead, uh, as they go about doing their deals? I, I think the the topic that people should focus on is is. The, the deal certainty and, and the conditionality of transactions, given that there's more and more, um, I mean, it's not only antitrust, but there's, there's other aspects, and, and especially around national security that come into play. People need to think through the, the conditionality of a deal and what regulatory approvals they will require on top of the ones that we're all very familiar with, like antitrust and maybe works councils, etc. But the, the national security point and, and the new regimes developing around that, people need to understand the risks attached to that and also uh, map very carefully the mitigation that you can put in place to make sure that if you embark on a deal that you can actually close the deal. And, and there it will be very important to get under the skin of the local culture, political situation, and, and make sure that uh, you, you properly understand the, the real risks, or if they are not real, I mean, uh, you can get easily comfortable with it, but you need to speak to people that 
are used to work with the local regulators. And I think you need to do that upfront before you really embark on a, a large transaction. That will I mean, uh, drive a, a lot of the, uh, I mean, the, the work that needs to be done and, and the things that boards need to consider uh, upfront. So that, just to just to, to finish up, it's a bit of a simplistic question, but how do you feel generally about the outlook? Are you feeling relatively optimistic? Um, I'm definitely still optimistic about the M&A market. I mean, there's a lot of things that drive change. I mean, the world is changing and change drives uh, M&A activity. I'm convinced that globalization is there to stay and will continue, notwithstanding all the um, the regulatory risks and, and, and uh, uncertainty around that. Digitalization is definitely something that will change uh, and continue to change all the businesses and, and therefore it will give rise to quite some deal activity. And, and thirdly, I mean, all the geopolitical changes that we see, uh, we there are different blocks that are being built around the world. And there's a, the U.S. part, there is a European, broad European uh, block, and then there's the Asian one. And, and people will uh, continue to be either, I mean, try to be in each of these blocks or decide that they want to play in one or two of the three. And that will definitely give rise to quite some... Uh, uh, changes and, and therefore, uh, as I said, change drives uh, uh, M&A. So I, I remain uh, pretty optimistic that there will be a healthy level of, uh, uh, of M&A and, and we're not heading for some kind of a, a crash uh, like the one we saw in, uh, in 2009. Great. Thanks very much. Fantastic insight into what the market looks at the moment. Thank you very much indeed.